And so today we're going to look at um, Fernando asked for a, a title, and it would be our inheritance in the Lord, what we will inherit. So we're going to focus on that. So we're going to look at our inheritance. We're going to look at how our inheritance affects our giving, because since we have this great inheritance, it should affect the way we give and steward our money, our material possessions. And then we're also going to look at what it means to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. So our inheritance how we manage our earthly possessions and money and what it means to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll look at verse 11 through 14. Let's pray and then we'll get to the word. Heavenly Father, you are mighty, you are good, God. Your word is sweet. Oh, God, is sweet to our taste, Lord God. We thank you for it, Lord. I pray, God, that you just put yourself on full display, God, as we go into your scriptures, God. Reveal the glories of your word, Lord, even the glories that I haven't seen, God, as doing my study, God. I pray that you reveal it to my brothers and sisters, Lord, that they may praise you, that it may bring them to fall on their knees, God, that it may straighten their walk, God. Use your word, God. Oh, God, speak to our hearts and our minds, Lord God, that we may see you and fall even so much more in love with you, God. Have your way, Lord God. Reduce all of me, Lord God, and use me, Lord. Oh, God, show yourself to your scripture, Lord God, as you have done, Lord. Show the beauty of your inheritance. Show the beauty of your grace towards us, God. This is our prayer, Lord. Speak through your word, Father. Jesus' name, amen. Before we jump into our text today, which is Ephesians 1, 11 through 14, I kind of want to just go to a primer that, that brings me to the mindset of this text. And, and that primer text would be Psalms 103, 2. And in that psalm, the psalmist says, make sure I'm good, Olick. Good, okay, yep. The psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. That's what the psalmist says, to bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. The psalmist in that, that, that psalm is reminding us, he's reminding his soul not to forget the, the benefits or the blessings of the Lord. See, out of all people on the face of the planet, all people on the face of the earth, Christians out of all people, guess what? We should be the most grateful people. We should be the most grateful people. Why? Because we know that we are not deserving of anything other than death because of our sin. We recognize that every good thing that we have in this Christian life is a gift coming down from the Father of lights. These gifts flow from God's love, his grace, and his mercy. But there are times in life, if we're going to be frank, if we're going to be honest, there are times in life when, when counting our blessings can be hard. Due to life circumstances, sometimes we can forget all that God has done for us. And so if you ever come up into that situation where you are trying to count your blessings, and even though you should just be thanking him for the air that is going in your lungs and the heart that beats and when, when he wakes you up, but if there ever comes a time when you're just like, ah, man, what blessings should I be thankful for? 
I want to re remind you to look no further than Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Because as we have seen, at least up to verse 10, which we have come, this section of scriptures is full of blessings that we have received through Jesus Christ or because we are in Jesus Christ or because of our union to Jesus Christ. Paul in the verses up to verse 10, he has shown us how we have all spiritual blessings in Christ. Some of those spiritual blessings look like sanctification, meaning we are made pure and holy through our union with Christ. We are covered by Christ, and since he is holy and blameless, we are holy and blameless in him, through him, which is Ephesians 1.4. Another blessing that we have or that we looked at is our adoption into God's family. We saw how that through love or by love, God has predestined us into adoption and to his family through Jesus Christ. So again, that's another blessing that we have. How the Father has, uh, the scripture says, in love predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters because of our union through Jesus Christ, which is Ephesians 1.5. So that's another blessing. We saw how through Christ we are redeemed and reconciled to God. We, these sinners who were separated from God, enslaved to sin, have now been set free and given liberty because of our union union to Jesus. His blood has cleansed us. His blood has reconciled us and we now sin pure and holy because of Christ. Our ransom has been paid because of Christ, which is Ephesians 1, 7. So that's another blessing. And then we saw the last time that I was up here, how God has revealed to us the mystery of his will, which is to bring all things on heaven and earth in unity under the headship of Christ. We see right now in our world, all things are not perfectly aligned. But they will in the future find their perfect alignment, all things under Christ. So we have a hope for the future. So those are blessings. If you ever said, I'm running out of blessings, I'm running out of things to thank God, which that should never be the case. You can always go to Ephesians chapter 1 and begin to just read down and you will find blessings and reasons to be grateful and thankful. So that's what Paul has shown us there. Now in our text today, Ephesians 11, it deals, elite 11 through 14, it deals with our inheritance. It deals with our inheritance that we receive through Jesus Christ. And not only that, but in verses uh, 11 through 14, Paul is going to wrap up this long sentence. If you remember from verse 3 all the way down, that's one sentence. And in the Greek, there's no period there. It's one long, long run-on sentence where Paul is just moved by the Holy Spirit. He's just flowing and he's just talking about God. And so here Paul is ending his psalm, I want to call it. That's really a psalm of praise. The backdrop is our blessing, but the point of this psalm or the reason that Paul is even bringing on all of these things is to bring us to a place of praise, a place of worship. So Paul is reminding us of the blessing that God has given us so that we ought to praise him in verses 1 through 14. That's why if there's any song, songwriters in this church, I would love to see somebody write a psalm or a hymn, if you will, based on verses 3 through 14 because that whole thing is all about Praising God, showing all the blessings that we have received because of Christ. And as a result of those blessings, we should be praising God. So that's what we find here in this chapter 1 of Ephesians. 
So today, let's, let's read our text, 11 through 14, and we'll, we'll dig into inheritance. The word of God reads, In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Here goes our word. Having been, here's another word we've seen a bunch of times already in this short amount of scripture. Having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. That's a key word. Who works all things after the counsel of his will. What is the purpose that he's working all things after the counsel of his will? Verse 12. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. You see what God's ultimate motive is. It's the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a pledge, who is given us a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. You keep seeing that all throughout Ephesians 3:14, right? To the praise of his glory. He redeems us to the praise of his glory. He saves us to the praise of his glory. God's glory is the ultimate will of God. It's his glory, his name, him being glorified. So that's what we see here, to the praise of his glory. Now, there's one thing I want to highlight in this text. Did you notice how in 11, he says how he has predestined us according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, all things. Notice that he says, he says, all things work to the counsel of his will or according to the counsel of his will, meaning all things in the world, all things in life, whether the, the tragedies of life, the, the, the triumphs of life, the, the ugly things of life, the, the beautiful things of life, all things work in accordance with the counsel or in accordance with the counsel of God's will. And we've seen that just in these first few 10 verses that we looked at, that all things work according to the counsel of his will. For example, we, we've seen how a person is, can't be sanctified and stand holy before God without the counsel of his will. Because we've seen how God has chosen us in verse 4 from the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. So even our sanctification has to work in accordance with his will. We've also seen how God's will determines the people who will be adopted into his family. Because we've seen how the scripture says that in verse 5, in love he predestined us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to himself. So even our adoption into the family of God has to work in accordance with his will. And then we see here in 11 where it says that we have obtained an inheritance. And that inheritance that is received is again in accordance with his will. So all things in life work according to the counsel or according to God's will. It's his ultimate will that determines all things. Yes, we believe and repent. Yes, but it's ultimately God who opens our eyes to see Jesus and we love him. Without God doing that, we would still see darkness. It's him coming and shining his light so that we can see Jesus, see all things work in accordance to his will or to the counsel of God's will. Now in 11, let me say this. For a quick little bit, we're going to get, we're going to go into the weeds, put it like that. We're going to get a little technical. Um, 
So I'm going to just let you know, in 11 and 12, we're going to kind of dig into the weeds a little bit. We're going to get a little technical just for a brief little moment. But the reason I'm doing that is because verse 11 has two possible meanings. And I want to show you those two meanings and show you where I land or fall. So just for a brief minute, we're going to get really nerdy. We're going to look at some Greek. And we're going to get into the weeds. And we're going to look at this text. So verse 11 reads this, right? In him also we have obtained an inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance. The reason verse 11 is a little controversial is because of the Greek word that is used here. The Greek word that's used here is kleroo. And it's, it's an ambiguous, the, the word is kind of vague in that it could mean two things. It could mean that we have obtained an inheritance through Jesus Christ, or the other way that it could mean is that we have become God's inheritance through Jesus Christ. Do you get it? One way of this Greek word that you're looking at can make this verse to mean that we have obtained, we are gonna receive an inheritance because of our union with Jesus Christ, the other way that it can be received is that because of our union with Jesus Christ, we have become God's inheritance. The exact opposite. We have become God's lot through our union with Jesus Christ. And you will know this, um, you, can, you can see this by the, the many different translations that we have that translate this verse differently. So for example, like the NIV, the Berean Study Bible, the Good News Bible, they all translate verse 11 to mean that we have become God's inheritance. We have become God's lot. We have become God's treasure. It, it, it's us. And what I may sound unbiblical, it is biblical that we are God's inheritance. You see this all throughout the Old Testament. So for example, in, in Joel 2.17, the word of God reads this, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance a reproach or a byword among the nations. So Israel was considered God's inheritance. So Joel is bringing that out. He's saying, Lord, come and spare us because you don't want to make your inheritance, God, which is us, a byword among the nations. Another place where we can see that we are made God's possession or inheritance in a sense is 1 Peter 2.9. Right? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own what? Possession. You'll find also similar language like this in Titus 2.14. So it is biblical that it, that approach to interpreting verse 11 to mean that we are God's inheritance is biblical. You can make that argument. But most other translations... Translate verse 11 to mean that through our union with Jesus Christ, we will receive an inheritance. We will receive an inheritance, a, a future inheritance. Again, you can go back to Peter. First Peter makes this clear. Uh, look at First Peter chapter 1. I want to show you what I mean by that. Go to First Peter 1. I told you I want to just stay in the weeds just for a little bit longer, but I, I want you to see this. And the reason I'm explaining this is because I don't want you guys saying, oh, well, our pastor or our elder said this is what it means, so this is what it means. I don't want you just taking my word, but I want you to understand for yourself. But look at just in, in, in 1 Peter uh, verse 3. I want to show you how Peter here, Peter uses both. 
And three, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse four, to obtain an inheritance which is undefiled, which is, I'm sorry, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you. And if you go to 1 Peter 2, 9, you'll see how he says that we are God's possession. We are God's possession. So Peter uses both. In chapter 1, he shows how we receive the inheritance. And in chapter 2, he shows how we are God's lot, our God's inheritance. So again, as I mentioned, both arguments of verse 11, or both understandings or interpretations of that text are biblical, but I agree with most commentators and how both Bibles translate this verse, that verse 11 is speaking to our inheritance that we receive due to our union with Christ. And I just want to show you how I'll fall on this side or how I've come to this side. When you look at verse 11, Paul says that we have obtained an inheritance. So he says we have obtained this inheritance. And then he states that having been predestined according to the purpose of uh, according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. So he's saying we have this inheritance. This inheritance has been predestined for us according to God's purpose, which he works all things according to his will. And then he goes in 12 and he says to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Now, do you notice that in 12 he says, according to we who first hoped in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. What he's showing us is that in a verse 11, when he says that we have obtained an inheritance, Paul right there is not using in a general we to talk about all believers. But when he says in verse 11 that we have obtained an inheritance, he's talking about we, us Jews, us apostles, us who had first believed the gospel before you Ephesian church even heard it. So he's making a distinction right here between the people who first preached the gospel to those Gentiles who received the gospel from the apostles that gave it. Are you tracking with me here? I know this is difficult in the weeds, but I, again, I, I want you to understand why I'm falling on this side and why you can believe that that's a good way to understand verse 11. So again, Paul, he, he's making a distinction here in 11 and 12 when he says the we, the we who have obtained this inheritance are those who first came to trust in Christ. Again, that's the apostles. That's one way to look at it. Or it could be the Jews knowing that salvation came to the Jews first. So he could be speaking of that, but he, he's making a distinction but then he goes on to verse 13. Just in case that the, the Ephesian Gentiles don't think that they're being left out, he goes in 13 and says, in him you also, just like us. So now he's including the Gentiles into his, his teaching here. He says, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. So you too, after you have heard this gospel and you, you've come to believe, look what he says. You having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is giving as a pledge of our inheritance. Now, the inheritance word that's been used in verse 14, there's no ambiguity in this Greek word. I, I can't even pronounce it. It's really long. But it means to tear apart and allot out, to give your share. So when you look at this whole thing, 
It would be inconsistent if Paul in verse 11 is saying us Jews have become God's inheritance. And then he switches in verse 13 to say you will obtain an inheritance. He would be inconsistent there. Are you following me? But Paul, I would say, and as many commentators say, Paul is being consistent all the way through by saying us Jews have become God. I mean, we'll obtain an inheritance through Christ and you Gentiles as well. You will obtain an inheritance in Christ. So Paul is being consistent all the way from verse 11 through 14. So I know that was a lot that's in the weeds that's, that's really digging to the scriptures. But again, I, I, I wanted you to understand the technical parts or the technical reasons why myself and many other commentators fall that 11 is speaking of an inheritance that we, uh, that we receive through our union with Jesus Christ. So now that we got the, the weeds done, now we're, we're out of the weeds, we're out of the technical stuff. Um, we understand now through Jesus Christ, we have an inheritance, but let's get to the major question that I would want to know if I'm reading this text. And that is, what is the inheritance that I will receive, right? At verse 11 down to 13 is saying that we have this inheritance that we receive through Jesus Christ. My question would then be, what is the inheritance that I'm going to receive? Paul is telling me that I'm going to receive an inheritance and this inheritance should lead me to praising God for his glory. So, so what is this glorious thing? What is this thing that I have in Christ that should lead me to praising God for his glorious grace? What are the promises that we have? Because if you think about it, in this wacky world that we live in, people have left all types of stuff to their heirs, right? People have left things such as millions and billions of dollars to their heirs. Uh, people have left land and property and cars to their heirs. They've left jewelry. When I was researching um, inheritance, I read of a story of a billionaire, guess what, who left $12 million to their dog. $12 million to their dog. So an inheritance can, can vary, right? So if I was a believer, if I, as I am, I would want to know, what is my inheritance? What is the thing that I have that is so important that Paul puts it here in Ephesians chapter 1 where he's writing this hymn to the praise of the glory of God? What is the thing that we get? What do we inherit? Well, the obvious thing that we inherit is guess what? Some of you know it. It's God, right? It's Christ. We get to be with our Lord for eternity. We get to see him as he is, no longer seeing through a, a glass darkly. We get, we get to see the Lord face to face. I mean, think on this, Revelations 4, think about this. We get to see the one who's described in Revelation who looks like Jasper Stone in Stardust. Stardust. The, the one who's, who's rainbow, and it said that there's an emerald around his throne. That, that, that's revelation. That's, that's John trying to describe the, the glory of God. That's the one we get to see. That's the one that we inherit. That's the one we get to be with for eternity. We get God. We get our Christ. We get the one that you go to your knees and pray to. The, the one when you're in trouble and you're crying out, and he, and he comes in and he gives you his word, and he, and he gives you peace. You get to be with that one for eternity. You get to to see him face to face as he is forever. See, that is the treasure that we get. That, that is what we inherit through Christ. That is what we lost in the garden. We lost that relationship, but now that is found through Jesus Christ. So we get God. That's the chief end of our inheritance. It's God. 
Think about the Old Testament. Think about the Old Testament when, when the children enter the promised land, when they're allotting out all the different properties, right? To the different tribes. What, what did the Levitical priests get? What, is the, what does the text say? Right. Deuteronomy 18 says they didn't get any land. Guess what? God was their inheritance. That's what the scripture says. That's what they received. It's God. They got the best inheritance. The people that got the land, they thought they were getting some, but the Levitical priests, they got to serve them. They got this, this God. That was their inheritance. It was God. That's what the priests received. And guess what? How, we are, how are we, the believers, identified in the New Testament? We're identified as a royal priesthood, right? Isn't that what 1 Peter 2.9 says? We are a royal priesthood. And if you recall in Ephesians 5, when the elders and the four living creatures were falling down on their knees singing a new song, what did that song sound like? Go to um, Revelation chapter 5. Let me show you what I mean. Revelation chapter 5, look at verse 9 through 10. Look at the song that they were singing. This is the elders and the four living creatures because only the lamb was able to take the, the scroll, remember, the, that nobody on heaven and earth could take. And remember, because of what the lamb could do, they begin to sing what? A new song. And look what that new song sounded like. Verse 9 says, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God, and purchased for God your blood, with blood, um, uh, with your blood, men from every tribe, tongue, and, and people, and nations. Verse 10, here go the part I wanted to bring you to. And you have made them to be a kingdom, and what? priest to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Christ made us to become a royal priesthood to our God and guess what? We're getting a priest inheritance which is God. Do you see that? That's the glory of our inheritance that we receive through Christ. It is God. That's the godly, that's, that's the priestly reward. It's, it's God himself. It's Christ. That's who we get. But I also want you to pay attention. Stay here in Revelation. I want you to pay attention to something else that the living creatures and the elders sang in their song. Look at the lyrics in verse. I love saying that. Look at the lyric of verse 10. The last part. He says, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign. They will reign upon the earth. They will reign upon the earth. Yes, we inherit God, and God is the chief of our inheritance. He's our chief treasure. Yes, we inherit that. Yes, we inherit eternal life. That is major, but guess what? But God does not stop there. I know that sounds a little heretical. You're like, but God, yes, God is the chief end. I want you to understand, I just want to take you somewhere. That's the ultimate thing, but outside of inheriting God, God is enough. There's something else that we also inherit. Guess what we will inherit? He said that we're going to reign. We inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit the renewed earth. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. Um, Esau McCulley, he's, he's a, a New Testament professor uh, of New Testament uh, 
professor, I forgot the school he's at. Um, I've been following him. Uh, he did his doc doctrinal thesis on the believer's inheritance. I mean, it's like 240 pages just on the believer's inheritance in the book of Galatians. So it's really specific. And um, he, he makes this point that when you ask Christians, for example, what the inheritance is that they will receive, many say, like I have said, we, they say um, eternal life. Others say it's going to be God. It's going to be Christ, which is true. But he makes this point. But when, when it comes to Christ as our inheritance, the point that he makes is that, yes, we get Christ. But we also get what Christ, let me say it again. We get Christ, but we also get what Christ inherits along with him. And he's making that argument from Romans 8.17. Look, turn to Romans 8.17. Let me show you what he's, the point he's making here. And then you'll, you'll, get, you'll say, oh, okay. So he's making the point that it's not just Christ, which Christ is the chief end, but it's something also that we get. Romans 8, 16 and 17, I want to show you this. Look what the word of God says. I'll start in 15 just to bring you context better. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Here you go, key parts. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and guess what? Fellow heirs, what? With Christ. So he's making a point. With Christ, we get Christ, and there's something also that Christ is getting that we get along with Christ. Do you see the distinction here? And, that, and that's the point he's making. He, he's showing the point that we get Christ, but there's something else that we are getting that Christ is getting that we also share in. So we are getting something that Christ is also getting. We're, we're getting along with, um, with us as well. And he points to a, a major place. Turn to Psalms 2. Psalms 2. Old Testament. What is it that we are inheriting with Christ? Uh, come on, Psalms 2. Look at verse 5. We'll go down to verse 8. He says here, Psalms 2, verse 5 down to 8. He says, then he will speak to them in his anger and testify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, now this is God speaking, I have installed my king. We know who the king is, right? Upon Zion, my holy mountain. Seven, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. We know who the son is, Christ, right? Today I have begotten you. Eight, ask of me and I will surely give you what the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. We are part of the nations, but what else is the son getting? He's getting the ends of the earth. He's getting all of creation. See, one of the things that we inherit with Christ, again, is the renewed earth. It's the kingdom of God. That's what we are getting with Christ. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5, 5? 
what will the meek inherit? The earth. That's the point. That's, that's part of our inheritance, that we will inherit the earth. We will inherit the renewed earth, the, the new kingdom of God. That is something that we inherit with Christ. So we get God and we, we, we get the kingdom of God and the king, if so to speak. We get both. We get the whole thing, the renewed earth and the God and the Lord of that renewed earth. That becomes our inheritance. See, your inheritance is big. That's why the, the, the living creature said that we're going to reign on the earth. We're going to reign as we inherit the kingdom of God with Christ. Believe it, did you know that you're going to reign? If you think I'm just saying stuff, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. 11 and 12. 2 Timothy 2. 11 and 12. This is all the stuff that Paul is saying. As you get this in, this should bring you to praise and glory of God. When you see, whoa, all of this I'm inheriting, all of this is mine through Christ. I'm going to show you what Paul says here to Timothy as he's encouraging him about enduring persecution and enduring suffering. Look what he says in 11. He says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. He says, it is a trustworthy statement. So what I'm about to say, Timothy, you need to listen. This is serious. Look what he says here. For if we died with him, we also live with him. Here goes 12. If we endure with him, we will also what? Reign with him. Do you see what you're inheriting, my believers? You're going to reign with Christ. That's why we endure the suffering on here, because we're going to reign with our Lord. In the new heavens and the new earth and the renewed creation, we're going to reign and you know what some of our reigning looks like? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go with me there. I know this, I'm sending you a lot of places in Scripture, but again, I want to show you that I'm not just saying what Jerome wants to say. 1 Corinthians 6.3. I'm going to show you what some of our reigning will look like. As heirs or co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom Guess who we're going to judge? I know we mentioned this before. Look what verse 3 says. Do you not know, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians believers, do you not know that you will judge angels? <laughs> so part of our reigning, we're going to be judging angels. Do you see this, my brothers and sisters? Do you see this inheritance that you have? Do you see what you have to look forward to? Do you see this kingdom that you have that you're going, or that you're going to inherit? You're going to reign with Christ? He's going to allow you to judge angels? Talking about the fallen angels? See, you are reigning with Christ. This is glorious. You've got to imagine being on the, the new heavens, the new earth, the renewed earth where, where righteousness dwells, where there's no more wars and no more pollution and everything is just in perfect harmony. All things in heaven and earth, as we seen last week, unified under the headship of Christ. That's our inheritance, my brothers and sisters. I pray that you can begin to see that. I'll tell you the, the day where it really hit me, where I seen it. Um, a few months ago, right, I was in San Francisco, and I was by the Golden Gate Bridge, whatever that beach is, that's right by the bridge. I don't, I don't really know San Francisco like that. But I'm driving away from the beach, and there's this part of San Francisco right by the Golden Gate Bridge that's just really beautiful. It's wooded. There's no houses there. You will forget that you're in San Francisco. 
and I'm driving right and I'm observing the scenery. And this is the thought that came to my head. This is mine. I'm seeing a beauty. I'm like, this is mine. Why did I say that this is mine? Because my daddy owns it all. And I'm an heir. So as I look and see the beauty of this, the thought came to say, whoa, this is mine. The waterfalls, th this is mine. The, the beautiful things I've seen in nature, this is mine. Why? Because my daddy owns it all and I'm an heir. See, you, you got to get this when you go and see the beauty of, of nature. This is God's and we're heirs of God. We get to see we get to see Hawaii in the renewed state. We're, sitting at a, we're looking at a fall in Hawaii right now. Imagine when Hawaii is renewed, when, when, when the fire begins to burn up all the impurities of this, this earth, and you, you see the, the real renewed creation. You're going to see the true beauty, and it's, it's ours. And so it just, it just really hit me, brothers and sisters, all of the things we see in this world and creation were heirs. <laughs> This is ours. As we find our union with Christ, we reign with him. We, we, we share in this with him. Yes, he's supreme over all of us, but we reign with him, the text says. So what does this mean for us today? What does this mean, that this great inheritance that we have? How does that affect us today in our 2020 right now? Well, it means that we should not be so tied to the earthly material things in this world because we know we have something much greater to come. It means that we should be able to use our money and possessions for the glory of God and not think about ourselves. Why? Because we know we have this great treasure so we're not worrying about hoarding and stocking stuff in our, on our own homes. See, Christians should have the loosest pockets and that we're always given. Why? Because we know we got great treasures to come. Christians should not be hoarders. We don't hoard stuff. Why? Because we don't put our great value in stuff of the earth. We're, we're thinking about the heavenly treasures. We're thinking about our inheritance that we will inherit with Christ. See, this affects how we use our money. Understanding your treasures affect your, your giving. If you find yourself stingy, why? Is it, is, could it be because you're, you're so tied to the money that you're not thinking about your inheritance that you have? See, when you understand your inheritance, it affects everything. It affects how you live. It affects the people, how you, how you help. It, it makes you want to give more freely. Why? Because I'm not attached to the things that we have in this world. And I want to show an example of, of that exact thing. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to show you a church who at one point, they didn't care about their earthly things. They were so seeking the things that are above. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and go with me to I'm going to start at verse 32 Hebrew 10 32 are we here? alright word of God reads this this is the writer of Hebrews to the Hebrews um, he says this but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. 
34. For you showed sympathy to the prisoner. And here goes the part I wanted to bring you to. And accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Do you see what's happening here? They were willing to lose their possessions. They were willing to lose their house, their materials, their clothing. Why? Because they knew that they had a greater possession ahead of them. Do you see how your inheritance can affect how you look at the material stuff in this world? They, they knew what they had coming for them. So they were willing to have their stuff seized. The Hebrews were willing to have their stuff taken. Why? Because they were looking for the heavenly treasures. They were looking for that inheritance that was to come so they weren't concerned about the things here on this earth. But there's a warning in here. There's a warning in this verse. He says, but remember the former days. Why does he say, but remember the former days? And then he says in verse 35, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. What was happening here with this Hebrew church? At one point in time, they truly valued the heavenly spiritual things. It was everything for them. They were willing to lose all of their property. But over time, that treasure began to lose its glimmer to them. It didn't shine as bright anymore. It wasn't as important anymore. And so they, they were no, no longer concerned with the inheritance. So Paul says, um, or Paul or the writer of Hebrews, I know, you know. Um, so he said, remember how you used to be. Remember those former days when you were so focused on your treasure. So he says in 35, don't throw that away. See, it's easy for us, my brothers and sisters, for the, to look at the material things of this world and, and we begin to forget about the glories that we have coming to us. So Paul is saying them, or he, the writer of Hebrews is saying to them, don't forget it. Don't forget about those treasures that you, that you have. Remember how you used to so love the kingdom of God's coming? Remember how you so loved your inheritance? Remember how you didn't even care about what people took from you? Remember you weren't even worrying about the material things? You were so focused on the heavenly treasures, you were willing to have yourself taken. Remember those days, Paul is saying, or the writer is saying? He said, don't forget those days. Don't, don't throw away that hope. That's why I started off with Psalms 103 when it says, forget not the benefits of the Lord. You don't want to forget that. And it's so easy to live in this world to get so focused on the material things that we see that we forget the nice inheritance that we have coming towards us. Just look at the young ruler, for example. He was given the chance to enter into Christ's inner circle under the condition that he would give away his earthly riches so that he would have heavenly ones, but yet he wanted his earthly riches. And that can be us sometimes. We're so focused on the material stuff we see that we want here that we totally forget about the kingdom of God, the inheritance that we have. We gotta watch that. Thinking about... Uh, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, he tells us not to store up our treasures here on this earth, but to store up the heavenly treasures. He's getting us to focus on the things that is to come. It's the same thing. See, my brothers and sisters, it's so easy to, to get deceived by riches. Remember in the parable of the sower, where he talks about the deceitfulness of riches? That could take our eyes off of the earthly, I'm sorry, off of the, the inheritance that is to come. 
So we got to really constantly make a concerted effort to focus on the heavenly treasures. You're not just naturally going to think on it. You're naturally going to think on the things of this world. You have to take time and steps and you have to mentally go and think about your heavenly treasures and begin to spiritually appraise them so you can see the glory that is coming your way. So we have this inheritance, my brothers and sisters, that we have gained through Christ. And as a guarantee of that inheritance, our main text says, God gives us the Holy Spirit. Go back to Ephesians. Just want to make sure you're there. It's a guarantee of this inheritance, Paul tells the church. God gives the pledge of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the grace there where he says that in verse uh, 13 and 14? He says, in him, in, in him, I'm sorry, where he says in 13, in him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is given as a pledge of our inheritance. So this great inheritance that we have, God has given us a pledge of it. And the pledge that he has given is the Holy Spirit. But do you see the grace just in that right there? God doesn't have to give us no deposit. Think about that. God has this treasure for us that he says that you have through Christ. His word is good enough, right? If God just spoke it and says, yes, you have this treasure through my son Jesus Christ, that's good enough. But God in his grace and mercy goes the extra step and gives the Holy Spirit as a pledge as a pledge, as an earnest money deposit. See, when you moved into that apartment, what is the one thing that the landlord asks you to do up front? You have to give what? A deposit, right? What does that deposit do? That deposit lets the landlord know this person I'm giving the building to, he's not going to run away. I got his money. I know I'm not going to lose out on um, some other people. They're committed to this apartment. Or the same thing if you're going to buy a house. When you're going to buy a house, you're asked to give an earnest money deposit. What does that earnest money deposit do? It lets the seller know that this person is not going to run away, that they are really in it for this house. They've put their money on the line. God does that with the Holy Spirit. You see, he gives us the Holy Spirit as the guarantee that you have this inheritance waiting for you. See, the Holy Spirit is not just in you to wash you and to cleanse you and to bring you all into all truth. But the Holy Spirit is there as a reminder that you have something good coming. See, the Holy Spirit, yes, is, he's washing you. He's, he's washing your mind. He's washing your thoughts. He's changing your heart for people, people you once hated, you now love, people you couldn't stand, you now pray for. Yes, the Holy Spirit is doing that, but that should be a reminder that the best is yet to come. If God has given me joy by changing my mind on people who I hated now that I love, can I imagine the inheritance that is coming my way? See, that's what the Holy Spirit should be reminding us of, of our inheritance. That's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit tells you of your inheritance. It, it, it's the pledge of God that this treasure that I have for you, it's not going away. It's yours. And the proof of that is the Holy Spirit that I have given you, that has washed you, that has changed you, that has given you this heart for Christ. That spirit that I've given you also assures you that you have the inheritance that I promised. So 
So God gives us the Holy Spirit, Paul says, as a pledge. But he doesn't just say as a pledge. He says that we are sealed in him by the Holy Spirit. This is bigger. He says that we are sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. To understand this word seal, we have to go back to antiquity in ancient Israel. Anybody know what a seal is? A seal was a type of emblem, right? Particularly with like um, rulers or emperors. When they were going to send out a decree or a letter to whoever their recipient would be, they had a signet ring, and so they would put like hot wax or something, and they would stamp that signet ring on the paper, and the recipient would know, oh, this comes from the emperor. Oh, this letter is coming with authority and power. Why? Because I see the emperor's signet. I see his emblem. I see his seal on it. So that's what a seal was. A seal was used oftentimes for people in power so that the recipient would know that this letter, this document that is coming to you is coming in some authority. It's identifying the person who's actually actually sending it. That's a seal. But that's one type of seal. That's a seal that was often used for the, the, the like I said, the, the mighty and the powerful. But for us common folks, particularly in Israel, seals were not always emblems or pictorial. Seals were sometimes simple as a word. A word. I want to um, explain to you what I mean by that. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this audiobook and it's called Bearing God's Name. And in this book, the author explains how seals were used in the ancient world. And, and they point out how in Israel, when a person, let's say, was bottling their wine, because remember, Israel was known for wine and grapes. So when a person in Israel was bottling their wine, they would get some, some clay and to close up their wine. And they would put um, the letter L, which in the Hebrew is the word lamet. And they would put their name. The word lamet means belonging to. So the seal in, his, in Israel that you will often find, you will see the letter L and it will have the name of something. So if I had a book and this book belonged to me, I would write in that book L and Jerome and it would mean belonging to Jerome. That was a seal. On their wine bottles, whoever made it, it would say L and their name, meaning belonging to. So you would know, oh, this came from this winery, so to speak, over here. We know it's good quality. Why? Because his seal is on it. So that's a way that a seal was used. And we see this type of seal being used, guess what? On the high priest. On the high priest. In Exodus 28, I know this is nerdy, but this is good if you can just Grab this. On Exodus 28, 36, the high priest had a golden plate on his forehead that was attached to the turban that he would wear when he would go into the holies of holies. Stay with me here. He had this golden emblem on his head and it was attached to the turban. And on the turban, this is Exodus 28, 36, on the, the, the gold seal, I mean, these words were there. Kadesh la Yahweh. Or Kadesh El La Jehovah. And that meant that this priest, he belonged to God. Holiness, he belongs to God. See, when the priest would go into the holies of holies, he would have the 12 stones on him, right? And those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Because this priest was the representative of Israel before God 
as he went to the holies of holies. He was bearing their name as he went to the holies of holies. But this priest also was God's mediator to the people. So that's why he had belonging to Yahweh because he was God's representative. He had belonged to God. He was God's mediator to the people. And, and, and so God had this seal on his forehead. But guess where else you, see, you find this seal on a person's forehead? The book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation chapter, I'm going to just show you guys so you won't think I'm just taking you there. Go to Revelation 7. Revelation 7. I hope this is, this is, I know it's technical, but if you can grab it, you'll see the glory. Look at Revelation 7. I'm going to start at verse 3. And then we'll go to Revelation 22. Look what he says here. Revelation chapter 7, verse 3. Saying, this is talking about the, these angels that's going to go out and bring destruction. He says, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their what? Forehead. Just like the high priest. What's been sealed on their forehead? Turn to Revelation. Turn to Revelation 22. 4. You can go to other places prior to this, but this is just what I'm picking out. I'll start in 3 and come down to 4. There will no longer be any curse in the throne of God, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on what? Their forehead. Just like the high priest. What is that saying? Yahweh, I belong to Yahweh, will be on him. That's what Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is doing to us. That's the seal. You have God's seal on you by the Holy Spirit saying that you belong to Yahweh. You have already been stamped as you place your face in Christ. You are sealed in him. You are God's own purchased possession. You are his treasure. I belong to Yahweh. I belong to God is on you because of the Holy Spirit. That's the seal that Paul is saying here. You've been sealed, believers. So if nobody else cares about you in this world, if your wife is mad at you, if your husband is mad at you, if your kids, it don't matter. You know that I belong to Yahweh. I belong to God. I belong to Christ. I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And you can take great confidence in that. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is showing us here. This is why Paul is saying to the praise of the glory of his grace. When you get that, you say, whoa, I can begin to praise God even more. Why? Because I know that I'm sealed. I know I belong to Yahweh. I know I'm in Christ. How I, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. The Holy Spirit has renewed me. The Holy Spirit has given me a love for Christ. The Holy Spirit is working in me. The Holy Spirit is the proof that I have this inheritance coming towards me. See, these are the things that are glorious. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, to the praise of his glory. Believer, you are sealed in Christ. You are sealed. The Holy Spirit has stamped you. Just like the high priest, you belong to God. You're God's now. You're his treasure. You know, when you have something that you care about, you grab and take. That's how God sees you. He has you in his hand. Remember, he says, nobody's snatching you out of my hand. Why? You belong to Yahweh. You belong to God. You can rest in that. 
as we uh, land this plane, as some would say. Paul says, he's given us a pledge of the Holy Spirit as our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. With a view, meaning that this Holy Spirit has sealed you to the day of redemption, the day when God makes his full claim of you and redeems you. Right now, your soul, your spirit, you have been redeemed, but your body is still fallen, right? We still feel the fallenness of our body. We all grow old. We lose our hair. We get wrinkles. We get sick. But God is going to come, and he's going to redeem the whole body. And that's when you will enter into the fullness of your inheritance. But until the time being, God has given you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of that day. Of that day. Of that day when Christ returns when we enter into the fullness of our inheritance, we get to be with our Lord forever. We're going to reign with him in the new heavens, new earth, the glorified earth. You don't have to deal with this crazy stuff anymore. You don't got to deal with coronavirus. You get to just be with God forever. Forever. Christ. Seeing him how he is. <laughs> I love my... This, this song I, I listened to, he said, I can't wait to the day that my faith will be useless. I won't need faith because I'm seeing him as he is. Oh, just being with him as he is. Seeing our Lord. That's, that's what we get. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, oh God, you are so good. You are so mighty. Thank you, Lord for redeeming us. Thank you for sanctifying us, God. Thank you for reserving our inheritance. It is undefiled. It is there for us. We get you, Lord God. We get to be with you for eternity. We get to go at your feet and sing worship songs to you all day long with all of people from different tribes, nations, and tongues, God. We thank you for that. Oh, God, renewed earth with you. No more sin glorifying you in everything that we do, God. You for eternity, Lord. We look forward to that day. Thank you for your grace and mercy in giving us that, God. We praise your name, Lord. I pray, God, please, Lord, my God, help my brothers and sisters to see the glories of your word. God, minister to them as they go throughout their day, today and tomorrow and throughout the week, Lord. That they'll be able to take stock and, and spiritually appraise, God, the treasures that they have set for them. God, help us, Lord, to value those things and forget about the things of this earth. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.